It's sheesh. It's sheesh. And it's a Labor Day. Sheesh. Sheesh. Welcome to Monday Morning Macabre, Gen Z's favorite macabre. Sheesh. Sheesh. Factory is back, and we are here. No cap. To continue. No cap. On God on God. We're here to tell you all about part three of our crazy story today. And we're picking it up on Labor Day because we're built different. Yeah, Labor Day's for the boys. <laughs> That's what we've always said here at Monday Morning Macabre. It's what we're known for, actually. Yeah, we're actually known for it. We've, uh, if you've got a truck and you want to put a flag on it and you want it to be something super and cool. Some nuts. Uh, yeah, we've got both Monday Morning Macabre flags and truck nuts in the store. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> have, have, what if we only sold truck nuts in our store? That would be amazing. We didn't talk about that it until just so now. That would be so good. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't mention it. And everyone was like, I wanted a shirt, but I guess we have to get truck nuts. Have you like heard about like the, the drama behind truck nuts? Uh no, what is the there's like a expanded universe? Like the truck nut lore is There's like two is, guys. One of them's like some dude in the middle of nowhere, and they both claim to have invented and have the rights to truck nuts. And there's been like legal <laughs> battles for like the past ten years, like going back dude, and forth. It's like a whole saga. Truck nut civil war. Pretty much, yeah. It's <laughs> When are we having the Monday morning macabre civil war? Ooh. When are we gonna fight each other? Uh it's me, um, it's okay. I know what my squad. I got me, Droopy Dog. Right. Uh, tech, I guess Jenny because she's been on an episode, and I feel like I probably that's probably uh, although All that right. would be a crazy twist if she was on your side. I'll get Sean who helped out in some Patreon tent. Yep. And then I got Scones, which is me, and then Tiny Scones, and then <laughs> oh yes, of course. All right. Well, I get Dakota because he'll be ah oh, dang it. Yeah, Dakota. You can have Lucas, but I get Dakota. All right, we should just set up a poll <laughs> for the <laughs> listeners. Yeah, listeners, tell us who wins Monday Morning Macabre Civil War. And remember, it's not just how many people. you got to list your powers, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway. Not today. Gonna, yeah, last time. Yeah. On Monday Morning Macabre. Previously on Monday Morning Macabre, part two of the Fall River Satanic Cult Murders. Fall River, a city plagued by rivers. Oh. Uh... Put uh, down you got... the gun, skull. <laughs> that did happen in the last couple. Uh, yep. Prostitutes involved in Satan uh, worship and then getting murdered. Question and then mark. you have Robin Murphy, a cold calculating prostitute, trying to get, get her way to the top. Yep. She delivers a statement to the police and then goes back on that and changes a bunch of stuff. And she claims it all slipped her mind during the initial interview. We also have <laughs> As it does. Drew Barrymore. Yes. Who was like the pimp that we all thought it was in the beginning. But then that changed. Uh-oh. Anyways, now we're on episode three of the fall. Re- that was a great recap. <laughs> that was really good. I'm, I'm know right exactly off the date. We're on. caught up. <laughs> now we're on you don't know what we're talking about. It's weird that you just dove into a part three. But if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the last two episodes. Now we're on part three, The Sacrifice of Karen Marston. You didn't have to cut me off. And listeners, this might be the earliest I've ever had heartburn in, a, in the day. But uh, <laughs> powering through it for you guys. Hey. Robin Murphy was not the only cult member talking to the police at this time. 
Since her initial interview, Karen Marsding continued to stay in touch with detectives working on the case. It's generally believed that she was both uh, that she was present for both murders, though her recollections would sharply contrast with Robin Murphy's version of the events. <gasps> While she maintained that Carl Drew was the cult figurehead behind the killings, she mm. pointed to Murphy as also playing a direct leading role. <gasps> mm-hmm. She was the lead role cast in the satanic cult play. In particular, according to Marsden, she instructed all those present to take part in the mutilation of Levesque and Raposa's bodies, possibly for ritual purpose, but more likely to keep their silence by directly involving them in the crimes. That makes pretty, sense. Yeah, that's some pretty uh, pretty calculating yeah, some, shit. Yeah, that person's thinking. They're, they've got gears turning up there. Unfortunately, Karen Marsden was considered an unreliable witness by police. Due to her drug use, erratic behavior, and unwillingness to testify in court, her statements were basically treated as gossip by the police. Isn't that like every single person in this case? They're all like drug dealing pimps or prostitutes. So how, how like, isn't everybody? Right, but then how do police ever solve things when right. <laughs> they kill each other? Like, or, I don't know. That's not to we say that they doubted her claims, only that they were unable to do much with the information that she had provided with them. She also seemed to get worse with each meeting. By the time of her final interview, she was on the verge of an emotional breakdown, convinced that she was going to be the next sacrificial murder. In the end, this paranoia would be well-founded. She was a fa- uh, Nope, she was reported missing on February 9th, 1980. That's always so scary to me when people are like, hey, I'm going to die. They're going to come after me next. Yeah, like if something happens to me, check this person out. That's always like, I don't like the spooky foreshadowing. And then, yeah, and then they're gone. Two so guys, later, can you stop it? <laughs> like, yeah, please, if anyone out there is thinking you're doing, doing that, <laughs> just stop. Yeah, quit it. It freaks me out. <laughs> Two months later, a grisly discovery was made in the nearby beach town of Westport. Oh, man, if anyone who's listening is in Westport, oh, go, to to Westport. Handy, go to Handy Hill Creamery. It's great ice cream. Yeah, it's not ice cream. <laughs> they have my favorite ice cream flavor, which I you can't really find it anywhere because it's weird. But what pumpkin. Pumpkin Oreo. Pumpkin Oreo? Scony baloney. Yeah, it's on brand. What can I say? <laughs> pumpkin Oreo scone. <laughs> I should just be <laughs> That's the only way I react to everything. You're saying it's a cult murder. While clearing a parcel of land near Devil Pond, a man stumbled across the top half of a human skull. How would you Jesus. even know what that was? Yeah, I would be like, oh, a coconut. And he's like, that's the skull of a woman. <laughs> you, <laughs> like, you would say, the- oh, a coconut in Westport? Yeah, I would. I would. Well, that, okay, I'd say, oh, a fucking coconut kid. That's no, what you I would wouldn't say, say it in your surprise ghost voice that you just committed to and then changed? <laughs> no, no that, that's the one thing I would be like, no, this is a coconut. And oh, I go, oh, not a cop, the cop. Police arrived on the scene and conducted a more detailed search of the area. They turned up the decaying carcasses of three cats Sheep oh. bones and clumps of human hair. They also Jesus. found some jewelry, a high-heeled shoe, and pieces of torn from a woman's sweater. Well, how so this else wasn't do you think just they like the pumpkin Oreo ice cream. Ugh. so <laughs> good they can only get it through goats and cat death. Well, I wonder and if that's like, it was the all handy cream promise. We might find out as I continue reading, but I wonder if it was all oh. like on the same night that they sacrificed yeah. all those, or if they just kept back and going back to this Westport pond. Hmm. That's the entrance to hell, apparently. Like, I, I mean, I, dude, should we go? That's a lot of animals to have. Yo, yo, bro, 
Should we ha- hop, in the, hop in the hop in the pumpkin ice cream? Hop in the Sling and Dingers official branded spooky wagon and drive over. Yeah, we do have a spooky wagon. It's a hearse, and it yeah. D- Dars drives, and I lay down in the back. <laughs> it's yeah, actually it's a nineteen. Sick. It's actually a nineteen ninety station wagon where I can sit in the back seat facing backwards. While yeah, and that's somehow legal. Me, me, me and Darcy are in the two seats facing backwards. Yeah. And then yeah, who's uh, driving? That's the spooky part. Yeah, exactly. We never find out. We face backwards the entire time. <laughs> yeah, if we face backwards and close our eyes, we just wake up at the destination we want. It's it's like the original Tesla. All right, let's get back to the grisly murder. All right, anyway, determined so this that, woman's scalp. <laughs> yep. Uh, forensics determined that the skull belonged to Karen Marsden. How do you? That has to be just DNA, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, what what do you think they did? I don't know. What do you think they were? They're like, well, if we take it and put it on top of a lineup of heads. Oh, well, I guess we'll I fit. didn't. I I wasn't how like familiar with how good DNA forensics were in 1980. I mean, I think by then they had, especially right? a Wasn't skull that's just been out like in the elements. In the elements, I think and not even by a full the skull. 80s they had. No, I think they were. I think they were good on DNA and like the. I didn't know uh, if they could like do like uh, measurements like through pictures of her or like. I don't know. Anyway, soon uh, after, a woman named Maureen, a.k.a. Sunny Sparta, contacted police and named Robin Murphy as Karen's killer. So we have a new character, Maureen Sunny Sparta. Sunny Sparta is a cool name, but sure sounds is. like not a cool person. The intercult killings had gone too far. Sunny was a former prostitute who lived in the Harbor Terrace housing projects near Fall River's waterfront. She hosted a number of satanic gatherings in her apartment and acted as something of a den mother figure to the young prostitutes, runaways, and drug users who hung out there. She was also Murphy's ex-lover. Whoa. According to her, I thought you were going to have a response there, but you didn't. According to her, Robin had admitted to the murder during a phone conversation. Yeah, there we are. (laughs) Must be the, the remote. It must be delayed, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a delay. You were, <laughs> you were saying she was the den mother, and I was like, oh. And then you got to the lover part, and that's what I... Den mother is a cooler title than it, what it is. Yeah, for sure. Carol Fletcher, who accompanied <laughs> Marsden when she took police on a tour of Freetown State Forest a few months earlier, also came forward with information. She claimed that Robin Murphy and Carl Drew were responsible for the murder. Drew's friend... So, stuff's starting to point towards... Uh, Robin Murphy and Carl Drew, everybody. Drew's friend Robbie. Carl Davis, a pimp who operated out of both Fall River and nearby Providence, Rhode Island, was also present. <gasps> oh. But there's a Dave and Buster's in Providence. <laughs> but Providence plays. And, you know, like H.P. Lovecraft and uh, all nah, that stuff, which we probably should have mentioned. But, plays. dude, Buster's. No, nope, nope. Buster's, dude. Bro, meet me at D&B's for a bunch of beers, kid, and we're going to get wicked hammered and yell at some children. Bro. Listen, H.P. Lovecraft was a racist who died poor. Busters is the man living it up. Rich Busters as fuck. Has, Busters will never die. Busters has it all. As long as we keep. I don't know about Dave. You guys can't Buster. tell. We're big, we're, big, we're big fans of Mr. B. Yeah, food, drink, play, baby. <laughs> Fletcher herself had driven the group out to the secluded wooded area where the satanic sacrifice took place. I like how she's just bringing this up now. Oh, those yeah, murders right. are what you guys are looking at? Oh, I thought you meant the... Oh, oh I was the okay. driver back then. <laughs> <laughs> 
As part of her witness protection agreement to the Raposa case, Robin Murphy was relo- uh, relocated is a word that I cannot say once, so I had to redo it. To a Dallas, so Texas. Nice, you say it twice. She was brought to Dallas, Texas, where she was staying with a friend until Malteus went to trial. So if you guys don't remember, Malteus was the guy who was like a weirdo, but he said he found God, but he was also like a yeah, perv and used to be. But he's also a bad guy. Yeah. Anyway, following the accusations that connected her to Karen Marsden's murder, a warrant was issued for her arrest, and she was immediately brought back to Fall River. Kid. Carl River and Carl Davis were also oh. indi- indicted and placed under arrest. Hmm. They weren't hard to track down as both of them were serving short sentences in county jail on unrelated assault charges. Sound like good guys. Just chucking knocks, dude. Bro, it was after a bees game. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Let a Flyers fan just get to his car? Some guy said the Bruins are just okay, so I had to kick his ass. <laughs> During her interrogation, Robin Murphy broke down and told police, quote, everything i don't know why that's in quote anyway in truth oh because in truth it's a story that would continually (laughs) evolve throughout the trial and be recanted during parole hearings years later karen this is dude this is literally i think this is the inspiration for the first season of true detective i think if we talked to the writer a lot of uh he'd be like yeah no he's like oh yeah that was it i just (laughs) i i am carl drew yeah (laughs) Ooh, you take that sip baby (sighs) Karen Marsden had become too much of a liability. She was a witness to the killing of Dorian Levesque and was rumored to have gone to the police, which we know she did. Carl Drew decided her fate. With the help of Carl Davis, he forced Murphy to take part in the murder as an act of loyalty to the cult. Because you gotta be able to die for your gang. Yeah, hashtag gang gang. Hashtag little ice. I don't know if anyone remembers that meme. (laughs) According to her statements, Murphy was made to drag Marsden from the car and pull out her hair. This was followed by a ritual stoning by Drew, Murphy, Fletcher, and Davis. Drew then cut off one of Marsden's fingers to make her feel pain and broke her neck with his bare hands. Jesus. While in a, quote, trance-like state and under the direction of Drew. That's such a cop-out. I was in a trance-like state. Yeah, bro, I swear. I was, uh, he was singing songs and I was just like, all right, I got to do what this dude says. Murphy followed up by slitting Marsden's throat with a knife that was handed to her Ish. by Davis. The two men then gored, tore the girl's head off and kicked it around the woods. Oh, my what God. The fuck, dude. Dude, if I had a cult, I'd be like, so you guys left Twix or right Twix? Like, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, do we get health care here? Yeah, what are the benefits? Is this, That's is this like SAG? <laughs> do I get a card? <laughs> The frenzied postmortem defilement would reach its climax as homage was paid to Satan. Drew carved an X into Marsden's torso and began to speak in tongues, offering her soul to the Dark Lord. He then That's dipped so his thumb fucked. in her blood and made an X on Murphy's forehead. To break one final moral taboo, Murphy was... Uh, I'm not going to say that part. It gets... Yeah. And, it, and then they finished by dousing gasoline and burning ashes. That's horrific. And it happened. It was real. This is not a uh, true detective. This is... Oh, boy. This is stuff that you and the loved ones that you know could have been, like, miles from. That's uh, not... Yeah. Oy, 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 oy. Um, So, do these two get sent to prison forever, Scones? So, let's get into it. The anatomy of devil worship. 
The more bizarre claims made during the Fall River cult murder investigations, much like the evidence associated with cult-related cases during the Satanic Panic, are likely works of fiction. Many of the facts are in fact based on the word of mentally unstable young a mentally young, unstable young woman who was known to manipulate those around her. I'm assuming it's talking about Robin Murphy. It also eventually came to light that a fair bit of witness tampering, manipulation, and misconduct took place through the investigation by police, including detectives, who may have helped frame the case based on their own strongly held Catholic beliefs. Oh, so now we're getting a little Mm. put in history on trial here. Okay. However, the facts remain that three women, all connected through their occupations and extracurricular occult activities, were brutally murdered under similar circumstances. It's tempting to dismiss the cult as nothing more than a tool of fear used to control Fall River's young and impressionable prostitutes. But it appears that, at least some form, a satanic grouping existed in the area at this time, and most of the people connected to the case had ties to it. Some by their own admission. It's unlikely that all of them had imagined what they had seen or taken part in. In fact, two detectives from Fall River's Major Crimes Division even managed to witness one of the group's black masses held in Sunny Sparta's apartment firsthand as part of their investigation. Talk about walking into a room and being like, nope, smell you yeah. later, dude. I would be like, this is suspect. I'm a detective. It's like when you walk, like in college, you walk into that like one room that someone says is a cool guy. And it's like, yeah, it has a yeah. lot of black lights and weird stuff going on. And you're like, nope. You're like, it nah, smells I don't... real weird in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's, it's such a strange combination of like, like, like the satanic side of it seems like it's, it's just kind of a byproduct of them murdering these people and then being like, uh, also Satan, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like. Uh, well, the mutilation cult. of the bodies is pretty. Right, but I'm saying it almost feels like an afterthought that they like we're going to mutilate these bodies because we're crazy, and then we're also just going to throw Satan in there for like just as an aside. True. It doesn't feel like they're doing it as a like tribute to Satan. It feels like they are like, hey, we're going to murder some people, and oh, let's, let's like well, cut yeah, open their for chest sure. for Satan afterwards. Like it. it feels like an afterthought afterthought i feel like the whole like sacrificing to satan plays on both sides where like mentally unstable violent people like dig that and the general public yeah. like it's a good storyline that like picks yeah, up the a lot media of traction. loves it so and like yeah anyway sunny sparta explained we pray to satan we chant we try to conjure him in attendance that night were Carl Drew, Robin Murphy, Sparta, and a few other Bedford Street regulars. Assembled under a large mural of the devil painted on the living room wall, congregants Jesus. formed a circle and started to chant Hail Satan. Leading the ceremony was a woman later identified as a prostitute from Providence, Rhode Island. <gasps> dude, do you think she's been to Dave and Buster's? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know if she has. I want people she's to leave back. this up. Like, if they have never been to Providence, Rhode Island, I want the only cultural significance they associate with it to be Dave and Buster's. <laughs> to be Dave and Buster's? I'm sure Dave and Buster's would love to have their yeah. business associated with this podcast. Free ads. <laughs> You're welcome, Dave and Buster's. Although this particular meeting ended in anticlimax, Sparta described the more lively black mass gatherings that took place in the Freetown State Forest. She denied any knowledge of human sacrifice, but admitted that goats or stray cats were occasionally used during ceremonies. I'd say that's still not cool. 
Yeah, no, don't the, like it. The warm blood would be used in mock baptisms and poured over the heads of the gathered congregants. Dude, I don't know how people didn't get sick. Right? I, I'd be like, um, mm, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'll I'll see myself out. <laughs> that's a silly. Do you guys have any penicillin? During the course of these, Purell right now. During the courses of these rituals, it's claimed that the participants lost consciousness or spoke in tongues. You can tell when Satan is there, Sparta explained. Some people even let him speak through them in his own language. It isn't human speech. There's no way anyone on Earth could fake it. I bet they could, though. <laughs> I bet they could and did. I'd bet in a, money. In a later court testimony, Robin Murphy made similar claims. In addition to the chanting and incomprehensible speech, she noted the use of a skull in a substance she believed to be human blood during the ceremonies. She claimed to have attended 10 such cult gatherings between October 1979 and February 1980. 10 gatherings? Jesus. Jesus! Including the two where Levesque and Marsden were killed. The beliefs of the Fall River cult could be described as a crude form of theistic Satanism. That is literal devil worship. I worship Satan, mm. Carl Drew would tell the police. I worship him like you worship God. Satan was not treated as some philosophical archetype or a metaphor. He was the theistic embodiment of pure evil cast in the Christian tradition. For people like Drew, there's power in evil. A power that could be harnessed through satanic devotion and used to control the city's vice trade. As Burton Wolfe wrote in his introduction to Anton LaVey's The Satanic Bible, Satanism is based on the belief that human beings are inherently selfish, violently... Uh, nope. Here we go. Human beings are inherently selfish, violent creatures. That life is a Darwinian struggle for survival of the fittest. That only the strong survive and the earth will be ruled by those who fight to win the ceaseless competition that exists in all jungles, including those of an urbanized society. That's crazy, mm. dude. Mm. That is... Uh... <sighs> I don't even know, like, the say. I just, how do you, like, where does that start? Like, they're all doing drugs and stuff. And then some person's just like, hey, let's, do you guys, are you guys, like, into Satan also? Like, how do you find. I mean, I guess it all starts going to church, right? (laughs) I guess that's true. You don't learn about Satan until you go to church. (laughs) (laughs) It's a gateway drug to Satanism, maybe. (laughs) Catholicism. It's gateway drug. Where are your kids? <laughs> it's midnight. Are your, are your kids, kids at church? Baptized? <laughs> <laughs> Although details of satanic worship would come up repeatedly throughout the trials, the prosecution decided it would only complicate the proceedings if they explicitly connected the three murders to a broader conspiracy. That's probably a good, that's probably one of the better choices that like any yep. trial or like thing that good, we've yeah. talked about has done. It's like makes sense, which is a surprise. However, if the three murders were indeed self-styled sacrificial offerings of Satan, the details of sexual torment and prolonged torture do follow a certain logic. In addition to satisfying the sadistic urges, psychologist Gail Feldman writes in her study of ritual, ritualized abuse, torture is used to force the victim to a maximum state of emotional arousal, where it is believed that the greatest amount of life force is extracted at the moment of death. Eish. That makes no sense to me. Yep. Like, oh, you left a little death in there, like, or a little life when you kill someone? How is it not? Uh, that seems so absolute to me. Yeah. Anyway, throughout the investigation, <laughs> police heard numerous references to the Freetown State Forest. This is where most of the group's activities were centered. The forest had its own dark history, serving as a location for a number of violent crimes and tragic events over the years. Oh, Some sidebar. Uh, check out 
Bridgewater, the podcast, because it talks about the Freetown Straight Forest a lot and cults, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, Bridgewater Triangle, where uh, me and Dars grew up right inside it. <laughs> right in the middle, baby. A lot of... Uh, is just puckwudgies bully- just beating up my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They just come out with little boxing gloves and they had a little tiny ring. It was adorable. <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> <laughs> Some say that the 5,000 acre reservation is cursed land. It's also known to be a hotbed of paranormal activity. Perhaps this is what draws occultists to me here under the cover of darkness. Yeah, big time like Native American burial ground stories in the Bridgewater Triangle. Yep. Freetown State Forest would continue to be a gathering point for area Satanists and other dark-minded individuals, and evidence of ritual activities discovered long after the Fall River cult murder trials. In November 1988, so this is eight years later, a hunter stumbled across a camouflage bunker located off of one of the more remote hiking trails. Police were called out to investigate. Upon entering the structure, they found an unsettling cache of items. Dolls with all of their, or with both eyes gouged out, animal bones, a rusted butcher knife, a small wooden chair, and tattered children's clothing. Holy Ah. fuck-a-moly, dude. Gee willikers. The same year, a dozen calves were found mutilated in the forest, and the corpse of Elizabeth Gregory, buried in a remote forest cemetery in 1868, was dug up and taken from her grave. Cult activity uh, was suspected in all three cases. I don't this like is like that. 88, dude. This is like not a long time This is time like five ago. years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Bro, Can you, I wish. The 80s were 20 sheesh. years ago. <laughs> As expected, the court trials of Andy Malteus, Carl Drew, Robin Murphy, and Carl Davis were a media circus. Headlines screamed of satanic rites, sexual torture, and cult murder. The public, in turn, remained unconvinced that these individuals had acted alone. Many believe that these four individuals were only the tip of the iceberg, and a dangerous cult was still active in the area, providing fodder for sinister urban legends in the years that followed. Mm. Anytime a rape, kidnapping, or murder went unsolved in Bristol County, it was work of the shadowy network, who, when not littering the local nature reserve with candles and mutilated animals, controlled the local drug and prostitution trade, a child pornography ring, human trafficking, and any number of other nefarious enterprises in the area. Andy Malteus was the first to stand trial. In January 1981, he was convicted in the first-degree murder of Barbara Raposa and given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Cool. Much of the case against him was based on the witness testimony of Robin Murphy. So that doesn't sound great if she's like the other (laughs) person standing trial. He was later considered to be a suspect in a few other unsolved area rapes dating back to the early 70s, but no additional charges were ever brought against him. He eventually died of cancer in 1998. Uh, Robin Murphy's lawyer convinced the court that his young client had been under the powerful influence of the satanic cult at the time of the Marsden murders, allowing her to plead to the lesser charge of second-degree murder in exchange for her testimony against her co-defendants. Additionally, the immunity deal she struck with the district attorney's office held, and she received no additional charges in connection with the Levesque or Raposa killings. Well, How can you do that? That's, uh... Just help kill someone and then be like, hey, listen... Listen, don't you, convict me for them. <laughs> lawyers are like, it must be so hard to be a lawyer sometimes. Oh, yeah. A defense lawyer? Forget that. Right? Murphy received a life sentence with the possibility of parole. After spending 24 years behind bars, she was released on June 10, 2004. However, she violated her parole conditions and was returned to prison seven years later. She is currently serving her time at a maximum security prison in Framingham, Massachusetts. 
Jeez. The case against Carl Davis fell apart completely. He never stood trial for his alleged what? role in the abduction and ritual slaughter of Karen Marsden. However, the following year, he was arrested for assaulting Sonny Sparta with a deadly weapon. According to a <laughs> statement made by Carl Drew on his personal blog, because apparently Carl Drew has a personal <laughs> blog. Yeah, what? Davis beat the three-month pregnant Sparta and stabbed her in the head with a knife because she had information implicating both him and Robin Murphy in Marsden's murder. He served seven years and is now free. Seven years? Stab someone in the head with a knife and only go away for seven years? What is happening? That's bananas. Carl Drew would go down as the guiding hand of the Fall River cult murders. Through numerous character witnesses, it was pretty well established that he was a man who was feared by basically everyone around him. He also had a felony record with the past convictions for assault, weapons possession, and armed robbery. Robin Murphy's testimony painted him as a violent, sadistic killer who acted as the ringleader in these ghastly murders, and the jury was inclined to agree. Further damning testimony came from his ex-girlfriend, a woman named Leah Johnson, who claimed that Drew admitted to her that he had, quote, killed the girl, along with Davis, Murphy, and another woman, who we presume is Carol Fletcher, while under the influence of drugs. He was also allegedly, oh, he also allegedly gave Leah Johnson a diamond ring that belonged to Marsden. Despite his unwavering claims of innocence, Drew was convicted in the first-degree murder of Karen Marsden and is serving a life sentence at the MCI in Shirley, Massachusetts, with no possibility of parole. He has filed numerous appeals over the years seeking a new trial. His most recent and final was denied in 2006. Drew's supporters are currently petitioning for the Massachusetts governor to review his case. What kind of people are mm. supporting him? Right? <laughs> I guess, like, he must write Other like a clean ass yeah, blog, his blog, dude. Like, <laughs> he's got some crazy content up there. His Patreon must be busting, dude. <laughs> I hope not. The case, the case involving Dorian Levesque's murder never went to trial. That's so sad to me. The yeah. district attorney claimed it would be a costly exercise in futility that would, best case scenario, simply result in a second life sentence for Carl Drew. All charges against Drew and Willie Smith, the man who supposedly assisted him the night of her killing, were quietly dropped. There are no plans to reopen the case. Mm. Oh my god, the justice system mm -hmm. doesn't work. Doesn't work far all from, the time. Far from closing the dark chapter in Fall River's history, the convictions proved to be a legal nightmare that continues to haunt the city right to this day. Allegations of witness tampering, falsified information, Insufficient counsel, legal rights, violations, and police misconduct all loomed heavy as the now-closed cases against Malteus and Drew came apart following a shocking admission by Robin Murphy. She recanted her entire testimony in an unsuccessful bid for a new trial in 1984. I believe Carl Drew was guilty of killing Karen and many, many other women in the area, Murphy later told the parole board. I believe he belonged in jail, but also knew justice was not taking place. So I made the story up. Mm. She also claimed that she was not actually present for the Raposa murder and admitted to fabricating the testimony that led to Andy Malteus' conviction as retribution for sexually abusing her. Mm -hmm. and so this, it's all over the place. I don't think anyone knows what really happened. Paul Carey, a detective from Fall River Major Crimes Division who worked on the case, has his own theory. I still believe that Murphy was the real ringleader, not Drew. That Levesque was murdered because Murphy had all was also in love with her and became jealous when Levesque started seeing Drew. I believe Murphy and Marsden were present when Levesque was killed. I think Murphy killed Raposa because Raposa was in love with Malteus. 
Murphy admitted that she and Raposa had previously been lovers, and I believe Murphy killed Marston because of the two previous murders. Marston was at the scene of those murders, and I believe Murphy knew she was the weak link and might get them convicted. I, I'm kind of with Paul Carey, the detective from Fall River Crime, Fall River Major Crimes Division. I'm not going to lie to you. The conclusion. There are some who say the Fall River cult re- never really existed. It was simply a product of the Satanic Panic era, made up entirely by the police and tabloid media to sensationalize the grisly slayings of three young prostitutes who may or may not have dabbled in the occult and connected them in a way that would capture the public's imagination. I don't understand how you could not think it existed if a bunch of people killed a bunch of people and said they were doing it because of it. Like, isn't that by definition it existing? Um, I suppose. Well, is the f- belief in it existing or like the actual thing exists? I mean, like the... I mean... Because I could kill someone and be like, I am going to say anything. And they could be like, I guess that exists. I, don't I mean, know. didn't a detective walk in on a black mass? Yeah, I guess that's a pretty good point. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess it exists in that time. Well, anyway, Carl Drew himself denies being involved in any such group. I was thrown. Even though, didn't he say before that he worshipped the devil? I don't think he's the most, uh, <laughs> the best guy to fact check. Oh, Darce, get ready to, to ring the bell. Here it comes. I was thrown into the middle of a mass nightmare that involved macabre accusations. Ding, ding, ding. Of devil worship and human sacrifice. Devil claims he said an the autobiography. Drew claims in an autobiographical retelling of his case, totally off-the-wall accusations that that was right out of some thriller novel. None true as far as I was involved, and nothing like what was being said. Interesting. What a wildly vague denial. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) He seems like a trustworthy individual. However, there are also those who claim that Murphy, Drew, and Malteus were only a small piece of the puzzle of a much larger satanic criminal organization, that remains deeply rooted in both Bristol County and neighboring Providence County, Rhode Island. Some people have even pointed to the locally famous Mary Lou Arruda murder and unsolved New Bedford Highway killer cases as potentially tied to the Diabolical Network. <gasps> Maybe those will be episodes later Ooh, on. Listeners. Later. Keep tune in, listeners. No one can deny that a lot of strange and violent activity took place in a relatively small geographic area over the period of a decade. But officially, there's nothing to connect these crimes. So, Darce, how do you feel about uh, your time living in that area of the world? Um, well, as a Bridgewater Triangle native, uh, I can say that I never saw nothing and I won't never say nothing ever. <laughs> no, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think how close it is to, like, where we grew up. Um that people were just sacrificing animal in the woods yeah, and might still be doing pretty that? Pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. But, I mean, I guess I can say I never experienced anything of that of that sort. Yet so far. So far. So who knows? Scones, did you have any uh, fun cult interactions as a, as a child? No. I used to work for the parks department, and they had some stories. And boy, did they have some stories. A lot of rangers stumble into he- uh, animal sacrifices. You worked with the Power Rangers? What? Yeah, it, it was morphin' time. <laughs> We're out there just morphin', dude. Anyways, uh, thanks yeah, again that's... to Mark Lasky at Cult Nation. That article was very detailed and sick and reminded me a yeah. lot of True Detective. Thank you to at 503 for the listener's suggestion. 
Thank you for the suggestion, Finti03. And for all the content and all the stuff you like, go to mondaymorningmacabre.com or follow us on our socials, Monday Morning Macabre on Instagram and Pod on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you thought about the three-part series. I didn't think it was going to get as grisly as it did, and boy, did it get grisly. It got Grizzly Adams. Hoo-wee. And above all, uh, check out Dave and Buster's. Check out Dave and Buster's, guys. We can't say this. We can't praise Buster enough for the hard you work can, he's like, put into that establishment. You can get some halfway decent bar food and play games. <laughs> and play a claw machine. It's great. It's the American dream in one establishment. I like the basketball machines where you just have to huck it as fast as you can. I like the wings. Together, we love Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's. Have a great Monday. <laughs> have a good Monday. <laughs> Goodbye. Boop.